RadioInfluence.com. Welcome back to another edition of the MMA Report Podcast. I am Jason Foy. As always, I am joined by Daniel Galvan. Daniel, you you brought something to my attention on the MMA Reddit that I was looking at it a little bit here before the show, and man, it really stuck out to me. And it is, and by the way, we're just getting right into the show here, right, right into this here. And the title of the Reddit post, so this was on the MMA Reddit, barrier of entry higher than ever to be an MMA fan. Now, I'll say this before I read the description of this, I would say that the proper title should be barrier of entry higher than ever to be a UFC fan. And it says ESPN Plus is now $9.99 a month, making the barrier of entry to be an MMA slash UFC fan even higher. $120 a year to watch fight cards. Then if you actually bought the pay-per-views, that's another $1,000 a year. Then you also are littered with advertisements every 10 seconds after paying top dollar for a service. They're alienating their own fans, and it's ridiculous. They need to change something. You shouldn't need to have $1,000 in discretionary income to be a fan of a sport. And then it says in parentheses, if you don't know how to find a stream. And you know, Daniel, I thought this was kind of an interesting post that you brought out to me. I mean, I mean, look, when we talk about if you want to be an MMA fan uh, in today's age, I mean, if you want to watch MMA outside of the UFC, you know, obviously PFL is on ESPN Plus. So if you've got the ESPN Plus, you're good there. Bellator is on Showtime. That's anywhere. I, th- I mean, I think you can get the the as low as $4.99 a month for first couple months. I want to say it's maybe $9.99 or $11.99 a month. Um, you know, then you got Paramount Plus. You want to watch uh, Combate, uh, Amazon Prime, which I kind of feel like, is it wrong of me, Dave, to say that I feel like, you know, a majority of Americans have Amazon Prime? Yeah, it's like unbelievable how much of the market share Amazon Prime has. And I, I think a big reason why is it's like, damn, I'm going to save my money on the shipping. And, oh, yeah, I get a streaming service. So when we talk about 1FC later, it's like so many people had access to that show because so many people already were paying for Amazon Prime. And I will tell you, I mean, we'll get into this later. I was traveling on Friday, and when I landed, I popped up the Amazon Prime app, the video, Amazon Video. And was able to find the stream immediately. It was it was super easy. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But it is, but it also shows about like when I think of when I truly became kind of that that hardcore MMA fan. So I mean, this is probably going back to 2006, 2007 ish. Like, yeah, the, the entry to be an MMA fan at that point was extremely cheaper. But it's also, I think it's also a product of we have so much MMA content that we can take in if we want to take in. I mean, like, obviously because of what we do here, we're kind of watching a little bit of everything. And, you know, I started kind of writing down things like I have Fight Pass. So that's 10 bucks a month. Obviously, I have Showtime on my YouTube TV. I've got Paramount Plus. Now, I didn't get Paramount Plus for, for Combat Day. It's just kind of a, a bonus. Um, and, and I have Amazon Prime. I, I didn't think I was missing any other streaming platforms I'd need for MMA. Uh, I think you nailed it. I think you nailed it in terms of if you're trying to get your PFL, your Bellator, your UFC, and now 1FC. And, and I think that's it. Needless to say, reading this Reddit article, it's interesting. Um, I think the correct way to frame it is it's never been more expensive to be a mixed martial arts fan. Yeah. I think, you know, barrier to entry 
I think that's kind of real, but it also to me feels like the sport is continuing to grow at a really rapid pace in the past two years. It does really feel like the sport is, is hot, but I think the real difference, the real tangible difference between maybe a new mixed martial arts fan in 2022 versus a new mixed martial arts fan in the year 2006, it's something that relates not only to this sport but other sports. I think a new fan in 2022 watches the highlights, watches Twitter, knows who fighters are. I think a new fan in 2006-2007 watches the pay-per-views, watches the full fights, watches the, you know, the whole broadcast. Versus more people nowadays are, you know, aware of who Kamzat Shemaev is. But I bet it's a small minority that I've actually seen a lot of his fights. And I think that's different than if he had become a star in 2007. I think maybe that's why there's a lot of names from that Spike TV era that really resonate with people. Is that a lot of people were just watching these shows and they were easy to watch because they were on Spike TV. I mean, look, it's not cheap to watch all the UFC. We, me and you both know it, but like, if you made that decision of, you know what, I'm got, you know, I mean, ESPN Plus, I still think is is a great value for what we're getting. I have it a part of the Disney Plus, Hulu, ESPN Plus bundle, so I think it's uh, my pay. I've got the one with Hulu, no ads, so maybe it's twenty bucks a month. Which is about still, right. Which is still for those three platforms, I think is a bargain. For what you're getting, it's to me, it's a bargain, but like, you don't like, you don't have to get every pay-per-view if you don't want to. I mean, it, it, it's very expensive. I mean, every time I, I, I wore a pay-per-view and, you know, after taxes, it's like $85 or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's really pricey. I mean, before we know it, it's going to be a hundred dollars whenever it's after taxes and it's never going to go down. That's the sad part. No. In terms of the pay-per-view price, I mean, I think about the days when – how much was it back in the day? Was it forty nine ninety nine? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, back in the day, yeah. Well, I mean, j- just look at from when it, it they made the transition over to ESPN+. Plus. I mean, I think when they went over to ESPN, I think it was fifty nine ninety nine. Yeah, I believe you're correct. Man, those were the glory days. Look, the UFC does put their product on ESPN and ABC. And they do put product on there. But – I don't know if we're ever going to have another Forrest Griffin, Stefan Bonner moment because back in that day and age, the fight would happen on Spike TV and so much of the country maybe had cable, had Spike TV. So by word of mouth, everyone knew how to get to that fight as it was happening. Now we live in a marketplace where far less people have this same type of setup, you know, Everybody, you, most people have an ability to watch stuff, but some people have chosen to cut the cord and no longer have t- cable. Some people have chosen to go streaming only. Excuse me. Some people don't have streaming, but they just have cable and vice versa. So the, the place where your fight is happening in this one place and everyone can go and watch it, well, we live in a, in a way where – we live in a world where it's very much uh, – what's the word? Like uh, – it's not just in one specific place. So I don't know if we will be able to have another Forrest Griffin, Stefan Bonner moment. 
I mean, look, I, I think of when I cut the cord, I mean, I mean, hell, at this point, I mean, I'm maybe like four, five years into cutting the cord. It's much easier to cut the cord now than it was back when I initially did it. But now it's expensive. That's oh, the funny God. part about this whole this whole dude. cord cutting thing was to save you a dollar, and now <laughs> you're spending a whole bunch of bucks. Dude, I remember when I uh, I made the the transition to YouTube TV. I mean, I was in the the very beginning of YouTube TV, and it was thirty nine ninety nine. Now it's I'm I'm paying over. I mean, I'm I'm like eighty bucks a month at this point with all the, yeah. the add ons, and that's not including everything else I have. Like, there has been part of me that like I've sat there and had that thought of like. Do I really need YouTube TV at this point? But then, like, I think about, like, there's certain things I know I would miss if I didn't have it. Like, I love basketball, so I would miss, like, you know, the the games on TNT. And, I mean, I love just watching that studio show. But I think we're getting to that point now where, you know, maybe we're getting to that point, you know. And, and it made me kind of think about this conversation that I had with somebody uh, in the MA industry last weekend where, you know, we were talking about kind of the, the, the tweet that Don Davis had. Uh, and, and of course, Kale McLaren, I talked about this on Sunday's podcast. He chimed in and said, Hey, well, how about let's compare TV numbers, which we, I think we both know Don Davis is not going to win to get in that debate uh, with Kale McLaren. And it kind of made me think about like, when you hear promoters call themselves the number two MMA organization in the world, and this is what Don Davis' tweet was. He goes, thank you to PFL fans. PFL 2022 playoffs set record viewership on ESPN, ESPN+. Plus. PFL is clear number two most viewed MMA in the U.S. Five years ago, PFL was just an idea in my head with zero fighters and zero viewers. Imagine what is possible in another five years. Five years ago, the PFL was just under a different name, so I'm not quite sure. I, I mean, I, I know what he's saying there, but I could spin that one in another way. And uh, I would say Don Davis um, saying PFL is clear number two most viewed MMA in the U.S. Have you not seen what Combat Day draws on Univision? Is he? Uh, is he? I mean, the answer is no. The answer is no. I don't think so. But is he just not counting them? I and mean, he's saying they're. Mexican I, he could very well be but like it after this conversation I had with somebody and this was after I recorded the Sunday show it made me kind of think of this like outside of the MMA media and the MMA promotion business does anyone do does the combat sport fan care who's the number two MMA promotion in the United States no they don't even think about it they don't even think about the topic for the combat sports fan, the UFC is the NFL. You know, for the casual combat sports fan, excuse me. They don't think about the fact that there are other fight leagues in the world. Like, I had this thought. If we're talking just the United States, because this is where we live. Like, if we... What would the number we would put on to say the UFC has X amount of market share in the United States? God, that's a tough question, but it's uh, okay. definitely really high. Here, here's my low number. 75%. Yeah, I think it's much higher than that. I really do. It might be 90. Yeah. So, like, I, I like let's just say, uh, let's take the low end, 75%. So, we're really arguing on who has the most of that 25% remaining? It just, it, it made me think of, like, I understand why the PFL does it. But then it made me think about, has Scott Coker ever called out, come out and said we're the number two MMA promotion in the world? I don't feel like I've never heard him say it. No, and, I, and that's someone who's been in that position before running Elite XC and running Strike Force. And, and at the time, 
maybe not the world, but certainly this country. I do wonder what the landscape was like in terms of casual combat sports fan interests when it comes to Pride in its heyday. And I'd be very interested to see what that looked like. Yeah. It's not a time that I lived through, though. I, I did not live through the Pride days. But, yeah, I, it is a, a deal where your casual fan can only name a handful of non-UFC fighters that are still currently fighting. They aren't aware of the upcoming Bellator card. They aren't aware of who made the finals of the PFL tournament other than Kayla Harrison. Right? They don't know who Brandon Lowndane is. Like here, here was the the question that was positioned to me, and it was Jason: If you were not doing what you do in terms of your podcast and and interviewing fighters, would you go out of your way to watch promotions not named UFC? And I thought that was a an interesting question. And look, I know that we tend to be brutally honest here on the podcast. I think I'd be very selective of what shows I would watch, not name UFC. Yeah, I think over the past year, if I'm putting myself in those shoes, there would be just a handful of non-UFC cards I would watch. And it would be the thing drawing me to those fight cards would be the, the big money fights they're putting on. right? Obviously, I would get drawn to Patricio versus McKee the first time they fought. That's something where whether or not I was doing a podcast or not, I would put my butt and watch it watch it on television for the pfl over the past year i don't know if they've put on a fight that would put me on the on the couch to make sure i had to watch it to be honest with you um going forward with shane burgos that's possible right mm-hmm. they happen to get lucky and do a shane burgos nate diaz matchup well you better believe my my two butt cheeks are going to be on the couch <laughs> watching the pfl show but over the past year i can't think of a single pfl fight that's got to be super excited for Bellator, it's the Pitbull McKee fight, and I think that might be it. I mean, maybe there's a couple I'm missing, but that that's roughly the the uh, the only big time fight. I mean, it's 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 the Jake Paul type fights that have gotten my interest as a casual fan. I mean, you sent me the rumors of the latest one. Yeah, I mean, I, I saw Ariel had a tweet that basically said there this is a fight that's being worked on, not finalized, and like. One of the things I wrote down about a question to bring up was, do people care more about Jake Paul fights than promotions not named UFC? And oh, I 100%. feel, I, but I feel like if I asked twenty five hardcore MMA fans, I don't know if I would get a majority answer. Like if you said, if you said like, the answer are yes, no, or I'm indifferent. I don't know. I, I, I don't know, you know, but the one thing I do know is, man, you mentioned anything Jake Paul-wise. Good Lord, it gets a ton of clicks. Yeah, bro. If I just simply type in Google. If I just type in Bellator, I'll get 19.5 million Google hits. Okay. If I type in PFL, I'll get 40.5 million Google hits, right? If I just type in Jake Paul, I get 180 million Google hits. That's interesting you know? on the difference between PFL and Bellator. Yeah. Yeah, so now, I mean, it's you, just, now what if you do Bellator MMA? You'll probably get less hits because Thir- uh, okay, yeah, thirteen point four million. That's that yeah. that's really in, that that's fascinating to me, bro. Yeah, I mean that's double the amount of hits. I mean I don't know if it's more articles. I don't know if it's something where it's a more searchable term because you know I type in PFL 
and the second <laughs> website is pfl.com which is hybrid experiences okay. delivered at scale by pfl so it's probably not all pro fighters league okay all right you also get paid family leave you, you know also i just googled ufc so what was the number on pfl 35 million, million? 40 million 40 40 million 385 yeah. oh, million for the ufc <laughs> so i think well, that really, that shows you you gotta understand when you compare the ufc to jake paul the ufc's had 346 million events so that's just 346 million wikipedia articles but regardless jake paul is just a famous celebrity and he's kind of gained the respect of people i think funny funny enough yeah. the way we think of him nowadays is so drastically different than before yeah i mean and you know, and I believe I saw that the proposed date for that fight against Anderson Silva will be the same night as a UFC show. I got to imagine there's going to be a lot of people uh, trying to find their way to watch that pay-per-view that night. Because, I mean, look, and where Jake Paul has done a brilliant job with himself is like, I call it like he's taken what Floyd Mayweather has done, where half the people tuning out of the pay-per-view want to see Floyd style on somebody. And half the people want to see him get knocked the F out. And that's where I think Jake yeah. Paul is just like hit a home run because he has people that are very loyal, love his brand, all that. But then you've got the people who are like, man, I just want to see Jake Paul get knocked the F out. And it's yeah, going to, and, and the reality is it's going to happen at some point. Yeah. I mean, it might, well, if he takes on Anderson Silva, it might happen next. Yeah, I would agree. Think about I, this. I, I, Jake's only. I get, and if this fight does happen, kudos for Jake Paul for going this route. I mean, I think Jake Paul has realized that fighting MMA fighters is kind of his best best path to make money. But like, give him kudos because this isn't the easy fight. This is a fight that I think when you talk about the hard matchups potentially out there, like in terms of MMA fighters that you could realistically make that fight, Anderson and Vitor Belfort to me are the two hardest matchups. A hundred percent in terms of the the size, the speed, the power, and the technique, especially Anderson. But, you know, Vitor, great power as well. But, you know, think about this with Jake. Like, this guy's only 25 years old, right? He still has so much time left to make money, and he's already a megastar, right? He's just got to uh, he's got to make the right choices in life, right? You don't want him to be 34 years old, not having a fight, just posting a instagram story of him having a good time on a boat right like you don't want him to be doing that nine years from now i saw i heard the people so you know ksi had those fights uh this past weekend and not to get into the whole uh celebrity boxing deal but have you seen how much viewership his videos have gotten how much six million on the what the, on the DAZN uh, YouTube channel? Yeah. That was six, on the zone, right? Yeah. Th- this is just on the zone YouTube channel. Six point four million. His post fight wow. speech has a million views. So just to compare, like they don't have another one in the next one you you've got one that has a two point six, but most of their are under a million views. It just it just shows you, man, the, these guys, these they figured it out. Like it's one of those things like I almost want to be able to sit down with Jake Paul's marketing team and go, bro, how did you do this, man? How did you do it? What tool, what, what SEO t- uh, tricks and tools do you know? Yeah. It's like, these are people who figured out the internet and then transitioned to MMA mm-hmm. or boxing. Well, it, it, not it's, the other way around. It, it's just like, 
Sean O'Malley talked about this a couple weeks ago. He said, I'm using the UFC brand to make my brand bigger. And, you know, and when you listen to him talk about it, like it makes a ton of sense. I think it's like, look, to me, it's in, it's just like how female fighters have used the UFC brand to create a premium fan site. Yeah. Yep. You, it, but it, to me, it's like what they are bringing to boxing is almost that reverse engineering because you know, fighters use the UFC to get a platform to get higher, I guess. But Jake Paul, KSI, Logan Paul have used comb- – okay, have brought their skills of making platforms and being popular to the platform of boxing and elevated the sport. And I think maybe the reason why they did it is – I don't know. Maybe athletically they wanted to accomplish things. Maybe – Boxing provides a great platform to convert popularity into money, right? You're you're really popular, so people are going to purchase a $60 pay-per-view, and that's going to make you a lot of money, a lot of bank. That's going to make you really wealthy. But these guys have taken their skill isn't fighting, but their skill is popularity, and they've developed the fighting skill versus with MA fighters who have transitioned to doing stuff outside of the sport. They had the skill of fighting and they've developed the popularity because of what fighting gave them. Yeah, like, you know, talk about, like, what these MMI fighters are doing. Like, like look at what's happening in Bare Knuckle. Like, I don't know if you notice this. It seems like Bare Knuckle's got an event every week now. It's been like that for a while now. I just think, I, I would just assume Bare Knuckle's just a money-making live event business by the by the rate of fights they go on. It's just a money-making business, I would assume, based on how often they have fight cards. It does seem like every single weekend there's a fight card, obviously, yeah, the Mike Perry fight card the week before, and, and, and this week I, I've been seeing the the highlights for the women's fight that happened. I can't remember the the names of the fighters, uh, but I believe I, one of the fighters basically tried to quit and the fight continued. Dude, I was I was listening to Kobe Event podcast, and it was Taylor uh, Starring is is a fighter who lost, and I haven't seen the fight yet. Uh, I, here's a little little teaser. Sunday's episode of the podcast, John Dotson's going to be joining me. Of course, he got the win there at oh, the PKFC yeah. show. But I heard uh, Chad Dunnis and Ben Folks talking about, like, I guess she's just getting she's getting annihilated. And she's, like, basically saying, I want out, I want out, and her corner didn't stop the fight. I'm like, what the hell's going on? I, I got to watch it. I have not seen it. I've just, you know, heard it secondhand. I talked to somebody else about it. But I'm like, bro, if, like, she was basically saying, stop this fight, are we are we not protecting her? Yeah, I'm literally watching it right now on YouTube, and uh, it's pretty crazy, right? She gets knocked down, and she just immediately looks at her corner, and it's like literally shaking her head and fear in her eyes. And I feel like I literally see a tear coming out. The fight restarts. Uh, the fight restarts, and literally as soon as it restarts, she gets punched with like three punches and immediately just says, nah, I'm done. The fight's called. That's crazy. It's pretty wild, yeah. So it's not like she took that much damage afterwards, but she essentially quit to her corner. The fight got restarted, and then just quit again after about a barrage of strikes. Yeah, and so, then and then um, yeah. Ben and Chad were talking about that. Uh, BKFC then interviewed her after the fight was over, and she's like bawling, crying. Oh, that's, I don't. I don't really like seeing people get interviewed after getting TKO'd. So I'm, I'm I just I, so I just pulled up the BKFC uh, YouTube. So I'm watching these highlights. Yeah, the 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 thing I saw it on was not BKFC. 
but it was on YouTube, so I feel like it's not illegal. Like, I feel like that's more on the user who uploaded it, so I don't think I'll be going to jail. But uh, they definitely Okay, I see the part finish. where she's clearly talking to somebody, and then she, and then she, Big Dan basically, I guess, must have said, do you want to continue? Yeah, and she probably didn't know where she was. You tell me people put stuff on YouTube that they don't own the rights to? Is that what you're telling me? I, that's like 95% of YouTube. That's like 95%. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, but, dude, that John Dawson knockout was freaking badass. He looks good. I, I saw that, and I was like, I miss John Dodson. He yeah, was I'm, really freaking good. Literally, I just so I put Taylor starring, and I did the filters of uploaded this week, and literally the second video is Taylor starring quits at BKFC. Yeah, poor girl. But hey, you know, it was a good one for John Dots. It was like a it was, this past week was like a renaissance of the old uh, UFC flightways, wasn't it? I mean, John Dotson with his bare knuckle knockout and Demetrius Johnson on the other end getting his knee knockout. It was like a it was like a throwback Thursday to the days when it would be like you know UFC on Fox and uh, Johnson and and Dotson would square off and they both had good nights this past weekend. And I saw the the comparison of when Morace beat him. And then how he beat him with the knee. I mean, just crazy similarities between the two. Yeah, dude, it was. Uh, ooh, did you happen to catch any of that one FC card? Uh, I, I I watched the end of the the main event. Yeah, so I watched uh, I watched the card, and I want to say this: pretty good broadcast, dude. It reminded me of uh, Pride. It reminded me of Dream, and I enjoyed it. I love the fact that it was on Amazon Prime. The broadcast itself looks really good. I was missing Michael Chiavello. I feel like maybe the people doing the uh, broadcast were too because on the uh, lead card, they accidentally put Chiavello's Twitter handle under Mitch's name. <laughs> Mitch is one of the commentators. <laughs> but that was that was fixed for the main card. So the lead card, I guess, is like the preliminary card, but uh, I saw that. Anyways, this is what I'll say. Two things. One, this dude, Marcus Almeida, this heavyweight, oh my gosh, this guy looks really good. Uh, he got a really quick like 60-second win. Uh, on the on the card it was one of the few MA fights they had on the main card. This heavyweight Marcus Almeida, I know he's really good. He had a really good post fight interview uh, where he talked about Leandro Lowe, who we lost, uh, and how how big of a deal he was in his life. Very emotional. And then Demetrius Johnson, bro, dude, Demetrius lost rounds one and two to Moraes. There's a big size deal there, but Johnson kind of uh, you know he showcased his skill, and I don't know how much longer he's got left in this game. I know he still wants to continue to fight, but I enjoyed it, man. And all I got to say in closing when it comes to one is just uh, I like this platform. I think beat on Amazon Prime is a great strategy for one. What they've got to do next is make sure to put fights that uh, people care about in North America. Uh, I, I look at this one on Prime Video 2 card, and uh, there's not a lot that gets a North American mixed martial shorts fan excited. A hardcore fan will get excited for the championship fights. We'll get excited for Timothy Nastukin. But in terms of getting uh, the proper exposure, in terms of getting more fans in America, they've got to be thinking about that with matchmaking. 
Oh, no doubt about it. And I think that comes just to, I mean, it's, it's becoming very clear that one championship is attempting to enter the United States market, not just with his Amazon deal, but also with live events. And of course, we kind of see how, how all that uh, does play out for them. But I mean, look, I, I think it's, it's a great platform than beyond just because like I mentioned, I mean, I think a majority of MMA fans likely have Amazon prime because we all want that free delivery. We don't want to pay for that delivery charge. That little box is showing up like every goddamn data house. I know. I know. It's uh, it's amazing whenever you check out, you buy something from Amazon and it gets there so quickly and you don't get that shipping. Uh, dude, that's crazy. Uh, Yushido Okami is going to be fighting on a prime card in a few months in November. He's, he's returning back to the cage. You, you mentioned about the size difference there between DJ and Adriano. And I saw yeah. someone mention this because essentially, okay, he's fighting at Bantamweight. And it was, if DJ returned to the UFC today, where would he rank at 135 pounds? Wow. Well, let me pull up these lists. Let me pull. Have it, you already looked at this? I mean, the problem is like he just he was so he would just right, be who, so undersized. Straight up, who would you pick, Dillashaw or DJ? I'd pick DJ to beat TJ. I really I, would. Yeah, I would too. Now that's kind of cheating because I would pick Murab and I'd probably pick Corey to beat him and I'd probably pick Cheeto Vera, but I I, I like a dude dude this would be the fight to make in the UFC. This is how you retire Jose Aldo. Aldo Demetrius Johnson. I still say bro. I, bro, I still say Aldo Cruz and Rio in January. That's the fight to make. Yeah, I know. Maybe they could do a triple threat match. They should just. I just want to see all those guys fight each other. They're all legends. Although I guess we've seen Johnson and Cruz before, but. uh yeah, I look, Rob Font versus Demetrius Johnson. I mean, can you imagine that? Rob Font, I think, would easily win because of the power advantage, I think. I don't know, though. It would be interesting. I mean, look, I, I would I would still give DJ a great chance in a lot of those fights, but I just feel like a lot of those guys, he those guys would probably have 20 pounds on them. Like, to me, if he was going to come back to the UFC, he's got to be, it'd have to be at 125 pounds. I don't think it could be at 35. DJ Sean O'Malley, who you got? That's Ooh, a flat right there. Man. I and DJ said he's never going down to 125 again. If boy, if DJ could get that fight to the ground, I'm just yeah. I just my thing would be is would he get pieced apart on the feet just because of the of the length that Sean O'Malley has? Yeah, and, and and again the power too. I mean, just one shot and be lights out. It just, it just makes me what what is DJ's reach? So his reach is sixty six inches. I th- I'm gonna say Sean O'Malley's is probably around the seventy or so. Sean O'Malley is seventy two inches. So a six inch, inch reach advantage, man, that, that would be massive. Now, if Demetrius Johnson wanted to be known as the greatest of all time. That's one way to get that status. If he were to return to the UFC and win the Bantamweight Championship, at that point, he would really make a case to be known as the GOAT. I That wouldn't happen, I don't believe, but it's it's a fun thought exercise. All right, so let's just start number 10 up at, at UFC Bantamweight. Yes. Song Yudong. I'd probably pick Song against him. I don't know. I might, I pick, you might want to pick that phone up. <laughs> it's, it's, dude. <laughs> Dude, it's, it's literally, it's literally a fax machine. 
I'm getting an incoming call from Spam Risk. <laughs> I don't know how to. I, who spams a who? What kind of robo call spams a fax machine? And who has a fax machine? I don't know. This well, clearly older. you do. Yeah, I know. This thing is so old; it belongs in the UFC heavyweight division. I wouldn't even like. I can't tell you the last time I got asked to fax something. I know. I know. It it it, it works with my printer. Uh, but Clear, yeah, clearly, yeah. you have a phone number attached to it. Yeah, I do. You actually, you, you actually have a landline at your house. Uh, I mean, it, it, I think or, it or is it voice over IP? Cable. No, I'm pretty sure it it works with the Ethernet cable. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I think yeah, I think I just plug because like the Ethernet cable works with the. Maybe I do have a landline. <laughs> you don't even know if you have a landline. Yeah, I still live. I still live with my parents, but I will say if I ever uh, if I ever become a homeowner, I'm gonna get a home phone. Fuck, uh, uh, you know, screw it, get a home phone. Well, usually that's how okay. you get the better deal on your internet. But you know, I I used to have a <laughs> landline that there was a phone never plugged into it. Yeah. All right. So I say I would pick DJ over Song Yudong. Okay. Number nine's Pedro Munoz. I'd pick DJ over Munoz. I would too. Cruz oh, DJ. It's cruise to lose. Cruise to lose. I like DJ to win that one. Mm, that's that's a tough one to me. I, th- I, I mean, Cruz was looking so good against Fair until he got caught. You're totally uh, right. Uh, Rob Font versus DJ. I, I would pick Font to beat DJ. Mm, man, that's 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 a tight one, man. I just I just wonder would the grappling uh, of DJ be the key there? Now this is where I, yeah. I think it really just gets tough. Jose Aldo. Fight Look, I'd love to see. That'd be, that'd be a fun think, historical fight. I think it's a fight that's going to play out on the feet, and it's probably going to be boring. <laughs> I think I think that fight might have nobody land anything. Yeah, that that could possibly happen. But I would pick uh, DJ to win via split decision. <laughs> it's a three or five round fight. I think that that maybe plays into my uh, my thought process too. Yeah, yeah. The longer, the more I like DJ. Uh, Marlon Vera. Dude, in a three-round fight, I would pick Demetrius Johnson to beat Cheeto. But in a five-round fight, I would pick Cheeto to beat DJ. The reason being is I think DJ would devise a good enough game plan to win the three-round fight. Corey Sanhagen. Sanhagen. I like Sanhagen to win that fight. I think think the length of of Sanhagen would be the key there. Marab Dwalishvili. Dude, that's kind of interesting. I mean, I'm probably picking Marab, but... That's kind of an interesting fight because DJ is the better striker. Yeah, right? I mean, like if if DJ stops the takedowns, I would say DJ. But man, it's yeah, more, that, that, I don't like, think you'd be able to physically. Yeah. It, also, is that a three or five round fight? I think also plays into that equation too. I think if it was a five round fight, I, I even though Marab is a cardio machine, I think if it was five, I'd favor DJ. Yeah, I could see that. That to me, that's a really close one. I think if if DJ was getting plus money, I would probably put some money down on him to beat Murab. We already mentioned Dillashaw. Yeah, I like DJ to win. Yan. Oh, Yan easily. Yan, yeah. I would feel real good about that one. Aljo. I would also pick Aljo, but I would I wouldn't mm-hmm. feel as good as I would picking Yan. 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, the reality is, is you know, it's fancy matchmaking there. We probably would never, yeah. see, never see those matchups uh, take place there. But uh, of course, uh, the UFC does have a show coming up this weekend. UFC Paris here, and uh, I mean, look, the, a great one-two punch at the top of this fight card, Daniel, with the heavyweight matchup with Surreal Gan Tatuvasa. Huge implications on what's going to happen with the UFC heavyweight title. Uh, I know I was watching Ariel's show this week, and and he was, you know, when he was interviewing Tatuvasa. He was kind of alluding to the fact of it seems like the UFC really wants to do Francis Ngannou, John Jones, but we know with Ngannou's knee injury, you know, recovering from that, also the contract situation there. Uh, and then, of course, then you have Robert Whitaker taking on Marvin Vittori. It was interesting. Uh, Robert Whitaker was on uh, the Submission Radio podcast. Even noted he's kind of considered even potentially moving up to two hundred and five pounds, but said uh, you know one of his concerns with going up there would be just the height disadvantage he would be in there. But but to me, this fight card is about those top two fights. Dude, tied two of us is getting disrespected. All right, Cyril God should not be minus five hundred against Ty Tuivasa. Look, I understand Cyril Gaon technically is just, you know, a PhD when it comes to his education on the feet. Just a phenomenal striker. But look at the run two of us has been on. He's got game-changing power. He's got a fight style to me that deserves closer odds than plus 400 here. Plus 400, Jason. Jeez. <laughs> Bro, you can get Todd Tuivasa wins by TKOK over DraftKings Sportsbook at plus 650. You see, yeah, if you're going to pick two of us, that's the pick, right? He's I not going to win a decision, I don't think. That would. What, what are the odds for two of us to win via decision? That's got to be crazy. Two of us wins via decision plus 1,400. Oh, my gosh. Can you imagine cashing that? Dude, to me, the, the pick would be two of us via KO, TKO. I mean, look, we all love Todd Tuivasa. But I think we both know when it comes to, you know, who is the better martial artist, it is Surreal Gone. I mean, one of the questions I have leading into this matchup is, you know, we all know the power that Tatu Avasa has, but how is he going to overcome the significant reach disadvantage he have, has in this fight? His reach is 75 inches. The reach for Surreal Gone is 81 inches. I could very easily see Surreal Gone taking this matchup to the ground. I mean, maybe if you're looking at a little outlier prop bet to play out there, maybe you look at the surreal gun wins via submission prop, which is plus 350. I think, like, look, if you're looking at the betting side, I always feel like you got to be looking at these prop bets on surreal gun. But, I mean, look, you know, we all love Tatu Avasa. We all want to see Tatu Avasa win. I mean, the guy's just, he's a lovable character, great, you know, the fighting style. I do wonder if this fight has the potential to not be the most exciting fight. Yeah, it's possible. I mean, Cyril Gunn is known for those types of fights because he fights so smart and he's so skilled. And, I mean, you know, Gunn's the pick to win, obviously. He definitely has more of a track record against elite heavyweights. Skill-wise, he's more impressive. There's very few times in his career that he's looked bad, both in MMA and in other combat sports. But, uh, yeah, I think you're right. I, I think there's a good chance this isn't super exciting. But the one thing about Ty is he has that ability to say F it and just make a major risk, but it could pay off with a big reward. I could see him taking shots from God to get within the distance just for him to throw some haymakers. It would be one hell of a story. 
But uh, I think Gon's the pick here, my man. I, th- th- yeah, Gon's the pick here. Dude, look at this co-main event. Man, Marvin Vittori's underdog's really interesting. Like, the thing I would say about the main event before we get to the co-main event is I yeah. just kind of feel like Surreal Gon kind of plays that range game. You know, because, I mean, he knows that for Tatu Avasa to pull this off, he's going to have to get in close. And you know Tatu Avasa is going to throw those bombs. I do wonder maybe if we see a lot of leg kicks and uh, body kicks by by Surreal Gon in this matchup. To me, he's the right pick. But, I mean, hell, we, we, all, want, we all want to see... You know, there's all a part of us that wants to see Tatu Avasa just get on top of that cage and, and do a shoey uh, with it. But you mentioned about that co-main event of Robert Wicker and Marvin Vittori. I mean, Robert Wicker obviously in a very uh, – he's in a weird spot. And it is a little surprising to see that Marvin Vittori is a plus 185 betting underdog in this one. I mean, obviously if you're Marvin Vittori, you, he's going to probably try to get this fight to the ground. Not one time, not two times, but – I mean, in a three-round fight, he may attempt 10 takedowns to try to get this one to the ground. To me, that is the clear way for him to win this one. But I like Martin Vittori to win this matchup as the underdog. And what I think is he's going to be able to use the threat of the takedown to lead his way to a 15-minute decision. Yeah, dude. I kind of like what you're putting down. Like, I'm really thinking of picking Vittori in this fight. To me, in the odds just scream, pick Vittori here. He's so skilled, and he's so good. And amongst the top 10 middleweights, he might be the most undervalued 185-er in terms of his skill level to where his odds are. But I'm still going to pick Whitaker here. I think he wins a stand-up affair. Yeah, I mean, and, and God knows what happened. I mean, if you're Robert Whitaker, you, you need a Alex Pereira to win the middleweight title here because, uh, you know, he's just he's in that position. I will say the other two fights that stick out to me on this card that I think have the, the recipe to be uh, fun fights. I'll go with the featherweight matchup of Charles Jordan and Nathaniel Wood. Nathaniel Wood looked great in his featherweight debut just, uh, man, what, what? two months ago against Charles Rosa. I mean, if even in that, uh, and the other one I'll point to is, uh, Nazardine Imovov and Joaquin Buckley. I mean, Joaquin Buckley we, always, but he's been a fun fighter. And you, you talk about a guy that, you know, and, and I talk about this every time Buckley fights, but like I, I have that memory of what he was in Bellator. And this guy has just completely reinvent, reinvented himself over the past couple of years. And we know what he can potentially do uh, with that knockout. So, like, to me, those would be kind of like the, those two other fights that stick out to me that could be fun. Yeah, and uh, I agree with you. I think John McDessie has a pretty good fight. He's a real good fighter. Uh, also, I would watch the Alessio De Chirico fight. The last two times he's fought. We've seen head kick knockouts. One time he was on the receiving end of one. The other time, well, he put Buckley down. So, you know, I, I would be interested in this Alessio de Chirico fight and see if he can have three fights in a row that end via knockout as he takes on Roman Kopilov. But overall, this to me is a two-fight card uh, with, you know, some other fights that are on there. You know, the fights you mentioned are pretty good. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think when I look at the prelims, I'm kind of interested in this dude uh, – Benat St. Denis at the lightweight division. I think he's pretty good going up against Gabriel Miranda. But I think you outlined the two most interesting fights outside of the main event and co-main event. And one of the things that I did see, I saw it over on the MMA Reddit, is that uh, uh, Nazrat uh, mentioned that he will not be able to represent the Afghanistan flag as uh, he uh, said that uh, he's not going to be allowed to, so he's going to represent the Moroccan flag 
on Saturday. So that's something to pay attention to. Of course, early start time on Saturday, prelims, 12 o'clock Eastern time, main card, 3 o'clock Eastern time. You know, I absolutely love that. Saturdays, Saturday is one of my favorite weekends of the year, Daniel. You know why? Why is that, my man? That'd be the start of college football, baby. I mean, I got I got to wait till yeah. Sunday to watch my Knowles uh, in uh, they're already one no uh, uh, getting the win there against Duquesne last week, but uh, yeah, this week I I love this week of college football. That first week, you know, uh, you know, I'm not super enthusiastic with the season can be for, for my Knowles. I'm I'm sure you're probably a little enthusiastic about those Aggies over there, but uh, but man, I, I, I love this weekend. Like I, I literally I will sit home on Saturday and I will have as many games on the various screens I have in my house and my wife will just look at me like I'm nuts. So I'm jealous because I'm going to Disney world with my, with my girlfriend this week. So I'm missing the first week of college football, you know, like, like, like that sucks. Don't tell her I said that, but damn, like I wanted to sit on my couch with some daddy sodas watching Georgia and Oregon Watching Georgia and Oregon? Are you kidding me? I wanted to watch Notre Dame and freaking Ohio State, Jason. So, Are you kidding me? So what you're oh. telling me is I should not clip this portion of the podcast and put it on Instagram because <laughs> I know she sees that. Yeah, she likes it. Yeah, if you put this, I'm gonna be in trouble. I'll be in the doghouse. <laughs> I'll be in the doghouse with Goofy, Cincinnati, and Arkansas. Oh, think about this. Think about this game on Thursday. Uh, you have. Uh, Pitt versus uh, Pitt versus uh, who's Pitt playing? It's Pitt versus West Virginia, and the two quarterbacks, JT Daniels and Keenan Slovis, used to be at USC, and here they are, Pitt, West Virginia, going head to head. I heard that, and I was like, "Damn, it's amazing to me how many USC quarterbacks just transfer out and go somewhere else." Well, this is college football in twenty twenty two, bro. <laughs> Transfer <true>. portal, baby. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Hey, man, for tickets as low as $8, you can get a ticket to Long Island University in Toledo. Book it, Jack. Yeah, I, uh, I'd, I'd rather, you know, I, you know, obviously we've got uh, here in Tampa, we got USF. Uh, they've been, uh, it hasn't been a couple of great years for them. Uh, all I know <laughs> is I'm, every time I watch a video on YouTube, it seems like I'm getting a, a commercial to buy tickets to watch them play, but, uh, but yeah, man, I'll uh, I'll chill, and relax. I'll uh, and then on uh, Sunday uh, I'm going to Orlando with uh, my nieces and nephews, taking them over to Universal. And uh, I'm sure. By the way, you come to Florida, bro. It's gonna be hot. I know you're used to this hot weather over in Texas. You know, be ready to, to sweat your ass off. I know, man. That's all. I, yeah, I've got swamp ass already, man. So I'm used to it. You know, I'm conditioned to the climate. But uh, yeah, I'll be it'll be good to be in the same state as you, my man. Uh, something else to mention before we get out of here on this edition of the podcast, Bellator announced their remaining schedule, uh, highlighted by they're going to, uh, Chicago in November, two title fights, light heavyweight title fight, Nemkov and Anderson. Also, you got the lightweight, uh, title fight between, uh, Patricky Pitbull and Usman Nurmagomedov. And then on December, December the 9th, they go back to Mohegan as, uh, they are going to have the Bantamweight World Grand Prix semifinals. Rafion Stas defending the interim Bantamweight title against Danny Sabatello. Of course, uh, they made a little news. Yeah. Like, like, yeah, like see, okay. First off, kudos to Bellator. Smart move, putting those guys on, on aerial show. But, like, what did you think was going to happen? I will say, it doesn't get me to buy this show if you guys can get separated by Ariel Hawani. Okay? 
I'm going to need you all to, to just burn through Ariel. You can't let Ariel Hawani stop you from combat. Okay. It doesn't sell the fight if Ariel Hawani can step in and stop you all. I, I, I you look, I, I've said this before. Like, I, I get a chance to interview a lot of fighters. Danny Sabatello right now is one of the, he's one of the guys I just love talking to. Oh, yeah. Because I also you, you feel do, like, yeah. like because of my interview style, I feel like sometimes I can get him out of kind of the the Danny Sabatello promotion mode. Yeah, it's like it's yeah, like the last see, time I had I had him on. I was like, "Hey man, if we did a shot every time you said F, would uh, would we back out drunk?" And he just starts laughing. Like I can tell, like <laughs> I got him out of his Danny Sabatello promotion mode. Yeah, well, you know, he's a guy. I think Bellator's going to want to win. You know. Uh, because he knows how to make himself interesting. I mean, he's just a cool cat, and you know, uh, you know that dot fight is really tough. I, I don't think he'll be able to win that fight, but if he does, man, Bellator's got a got a hell of a freaking hey. talent to you know how on their roster. Win or lose or draw, he's he's a marketable guy. Look, if Stotts he's can, damn good too. If Stotts can keep that fight on the feet, I think it's it's it, I you know it's his fight to lose if he can keep it on the feet now. If Danny gets the fight on the ground, could be a different story. Yep, yep. Yeah, that's the great equalizer. He's he's a phenomenal wrestler. So, and, and that could be his gateway to to winning this whole damn thing. But I mean, that that's the thing is like you you bring up the point. Like, I mean, if you're Bellator, you're never going to come out and say we want Danny Sabatello to win this tournament. But like, he would be the guy from a promotional aspect you'd want to win this tournament. Yes, out of all the guys in the tournament, he has the most upside to be the biggest star, and that's largely due to his ability to want to promote himself and talk some smack. I did watch. Uh, they also had AJ McKee in studio with Arrow. I was watching a little bit of that, and I thought it was. I, I've probably watched about the first ten minutes or so of the interview, and I did find it fascinating him talking about like, you know, his mindset. After after that loss against Pitbull, and the thing that I heard about that this fight was not offered to the to either side. So obviously he's going, you know, he's now going up to fifty five. Just kind of weird the fact that these two guys are are fighting on the same car because clearly it's a fight that we all want to see. Um, you know, I mean, no no disrespect to Adam Borax, but I mean the fight I want to see is Patricio Pitbull and AJ McKee three. Ah. You know, you know me, man. I'm not, I'm not into it. I'm not into it, Jason. This is my stand. But that's I'm because of the second stand. fight not delivering. Yes, yes. That second fight really pissed me off. That second get, fight I, really. Got, I get you. Got, look, I'll, I'll watch it. Don't get me wrong. It's still, I get what you're saying. But that second, like when I see guys fight for 25 minutes and there's nothing, bro. I'm just like, I'm out. I'm like Dana White when it comes to that. Like, I'm like. I'm like, I'm fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. You know, the one, so. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you that I thought the funniest part of that interview was is AJ McKee's like, yeah, I, I feel like I won the rematch. And he, he goes, Arrow, he goes, who do you think won? And Arrow would not ask, answer the question. <laughs> it's like, Arrow, yeah. you're telling him without telling him. He's clearly sitting there going, come on, bro, just say it. Just say it. Yeah, yeah, no. Ariel is someone who, uh, I mean, I love his show, uh, but he definitely kind of plays to his fighter. Whoever he's interviewing, he's the biggest fan. Oh, yeah. Oh, no question. <laughs> and then he'll, yeah, he'll interview opposing fighters back-to-back segments and make them feel good, which, you know, it, it makes sense not to be antagonistic to your interview subject, but uh matters for to Ariel. That, that's, but, uh, that's, yeah, a, yeah that's, that's a smart play. Yeah. 
Yeah. See, like, I, I, I've said this, like, you listen to my fire interviews, like, I just want to make them different. Yeah. You know, wh- where where can we kind of, you know, hell, there's times where we don't even talk about the fight. <laughs> that, and that's how you know you had but a good like, interview. But, like, I, I mentioned this, um, for people to not check out the interview I did with Dustin Jacoby a couple weeks ago, and one of the things that I brought up was the week of his fight, um, the, the ABC card, there was basically an article that came out that was taking his words kind of out of context, you know, and then we kind of, we kind of got talking about the media relationship and the fighter relationship. And, and it wasn't until I heard Dray- Draymond Green talk about like, this has got to be a partnership between us, the media and the fighters, you know, we're, we're both trying to get something out of this. Let's not kid ourselves. You know, I I want people listening to that interview, watching that interview, but also I'm like, I want to allow the fighter to promote themselves because this is a two way street. And, and there's just sometimes like, man, there's sometimes I listen to to interviews in this game that I'm just like, God damn, like stop asking questions that are clearly all about trying to get some viral clip. Yeah. It's like they, uh, they do the interview with the idea of, these are the three articles that are going to come out of this. Here we go. And, uh, yeah, it's a, it's, it's an annoying form of, of media for sure. Yeah. It's just, it's, there's just times where I'm like, man, like, and I'll tell people this. I rarely write down questions, rarely write down questions. Yeah. I get most of my content going to their Instagram. That's a good call, and and that's a good call because what what are you looking for when you're looking for the Instagram? I'm more just trying to find like, is there something interesting going on? You know, like, you know, I, I think about my interview with Lee Malay McFarlane and bring, you know, we end up talking about our nonprofit organization. It's like, hey, why did you start this? How what what's the the origin of this? Like, and I feel like it's it's more of like just sitting here and having a conversation with the fighter, and you can sit there and say like, you know, like. You know, hey, like, like, let's say he, the fighter loves the golf. Hey, man, like if you can have a, a you know, your your fantasy foursome, you know, with with, you know, three golfers or you know, three people in general, who, who's in your foursome to play around a golf with? That's easy. That's a hell of a question right well, there. And and it, and it was like when I had I had Neiman Gracie on. I'm like, hey, man, like obviously you've got you've got to train with you know the who's who of jujitsu. Who's on your Mount Rushmore? Of course, he picked everyone in his family. But <laughs> but then it was also like, I was like, hey, man, like, if you could sit there and do a seminar and roll with somebody, I think, like, one of the people we mentioned was Damian Maya. You know, I, I think it's it's those type of things that, like, because, god damn, I'll tell you, man, I listen to a lot of these interviews. They're the same goddamn interviews. Yeah. Yeah. Cookie cutter questions, going through the motions, to have an opportunity to interview a fighter and make it different. I mean, that's what, that's what it's all about. That's what you get when you listen to the airport. Hey man, I'm just you get I'm, something different. I'm just trying to have a dope conversation, bro. <laughs> That's all I'm trying to yeah. do over here. Yeah, I'm just trying to have it. Like uh, I, I on Sunday's podcast, I had Logan Urban, who, who's coming off a win in LFA. Prior to that, he had had that no contest against Josh Quinlan. which I thought it was interesting because you know that's obviously the drug test that Josh Quinlan failed, and it was interesting when I brought that up. I'm like, hey man, like what goes through your mind when you get that call? And you could you could tell he was he was pissed and he, and he kind of basically says, he goes, I really haven't gotten over it. Wow. Cause like, this isn't hitting the baseball, man. Like you're, you're punching somebody. And, yeah. uh, but also the, the conversation started off with, because I was told about how he's a, he's basically a beer salesman to, to retail stores. 
So we started talking about that. And then like, it's like, Hey man, like, you know, cause he, you know, he had a little bit of mark on his eye. I was like, do people you sell to know what you do? He goes, it kind of starts to come out at some point. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there are two types of businesses that go well together. Right. Some face punching and some beer drinking. And, and bro, I'm, I'm sitting there. I'm like, man, you're a regional fighter, man. That's an opportunity to sell some tickets. I know every time. Sell some beer, sell some tickets. Yeah, I know, man. But uh, no, nah, man, I, I and uh, had Isaac Moreno, uh, Texas fighter. Uh, he just got a win there at Fury. Uh, I had a great conversation with him. People can check that out. Uh, as I mentioned, John Dotson, uh, he's one of the fires that I am scheduled to talk to uh, later on this week. I'll be doing some interviews there on Friday, talking to uh, some CES fighters, including uh, Mitch Raposo. Uh, I'm looking through uh, some of the other ones I've got. Uh, George Carhagen. I've got uh, him scheduled. Always, always love talking to George. George is uh, one of you, you talk about just one of the favorite interviews. I thought at one point he hated me. There was one <laughs> point I thought he hated me. Why? It was a short with you or? Uh, I, I think it was something I said on a podcast. It wasn't related to him. It was related to somebody else, but me and him have a great relationship. I, I think awesome. it also played yeah. into maybe his former manager too. I think that might play into it. Ah, yeah. I think his former manager didn't really care for me. Yeah. <laughs> be Managers tend to have a big, they have a big influence on their fighters. Uh, yeah, they do. No, they, they do. You know, it's, it's beneficial when the manager likes you. It is beneficial, but, uh, you know, I've 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 really gotten to that point of I just don't give a crap what people think. <laughs> I really got to that point. Hey, that's where I'm at too, brother. You know, I, just, I really don't care. But uh, I appreciate everyone tuning in for this edition of the podcast. Of course, you can check it out at RadioInfluence.com and all of the major podcasting platforms. New co- new episodes come out every Wednesday and Sunday. Of course, Wednesday is myself and Daniel talking about what's going on in the world of MMA. And on Sundays, it's the interview edition of the show that I try to get out on Sunday. Sometimes it is tough during the football season with uh, my travel schedule. But that's going to do it for this edition of the MMA Report Podcast. Of course, a great way to show your support for the podcast. Rating and review helps out a ton. I appreciate you tuning in for this edition of the MMA Report Podcast.